This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, so just a heads up before we start this um, recording today to just say that there are some mentions uh, of child abuse and some sexual connotations on this episode. I'm Sue from Lifeboat, and Lifeboat are promoting health and well-being, but you take in charge of your own health and well-being by using tools such as mindfulness, EFT tapping, NLP, and um, Reiki as just a few examples of the tools that we can use. I thought it'd be a great idea to get on the radio and um, give out some of these tools freely to people, particularly the mindfulness and the meditation tools. Hello everybody, I uh, hope um, your month has been going well. And today I've actually um, got a guest with me because I haven't had a guest for a couple of months and uh, I've got the lovely Andrew with me today. And um, (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit about what hope might mean to Andrew and ask a few questions and talk a little bit about Andrew's life. I'll I'll just give you a wee bit of um, an idea of what Andrew's been up to, but a very short version that he used to work for Air New Zealand and um, I've heard his poems and so he's a poet. I've seen him act and he's a really good actor because whatever he played, I totally, totally believed it. There was one that you were playing like a... Someone looking at a painting or something. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was convinced yeah. that you he's an artist. He must be an artist. Yeah, or, yeah that, <laughs> I think that was the one where we were all looking at the painting and we were facing the audience. Was yeah. That the one? It was like I was yeah. convinced that you knew a lot about art. Oh, yeah, must, yeah, I think yeah. I might have even asked you about a painting and you went, I don't know anything it's about just, that. It's so. just the script. <laughs> it was just the script, yeah. yeah. I had to be a sort of like a smart ass, And the, the whole point of the thing, it's quite funny because everyone was sort of kowtowing to me and I was the smart house that knew spout all the stuff about art and all the other actors would just look at me and go mm, yes and agree and this one person just didn't get it and right at the end it was only a short little skit and right at the end we all just sort of like turn and look at them disprovingly and they shrink down you know because <laughs> it's like that thing that stupid thing about the emperor's new clothes you know where, yeah. where we've all got to um, sort of go along and there is a you know Let's face it. I mean, there is some genuine art criticism, but sometimes, you know, people do speak a lot of bollocks about yeah, art. You know? Yeah, I guess it's like we were talking about this um, just now. It's mm. like the perception of it, really, isn't yes, it? Exactly, you know, different yeah. people will have a different perception yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, no yeah. one piece will strike any one person the same. No, know? some no. people might look at a certain artist and say, oh, "I don't like that style at all." Others think. You know, it's heritage for me to say because I don't really mind him because he's very famous, but I'm not overly big on Colin McCann. Oh, yeah. Rolf Hotary, who does a sort of similar type things, but I always liked Hotary's work more for some reason. Yeah, anyway, it's just... I'm amusing, I'm musing, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. But it's interesting about the perception thing, I think, when one person sees something and another person sees something totally different. And, and I know, think we lose a bit of that 
like young children. Yeah, they're yeah. more open and, yeah. and more easy to say what they see in yeah, something yeah, than, exactly. than as adults well, we like, tend not to do well, that. That's the thing, isn't it? Because in that famous story, it is a child who says, "But and everyone's going, that's wonderful, Your Majesty, and he's walking around the need, you know. And, <laughs> and they're all going, that's so amazing, Your Majesty, and kissing up to him, you know. And then the kid goes, but the king's wearing no clothes. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole point, yeah. you know. The, Tells it as the it is. child <laughs> cut through all the bullshit, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and something else that I know about Andrew is he's a surfer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. That, that sits been well surfing, with me. I've been surfing since I was 15. I was at high school, and these two friends, we just sort of decided, and it was one of the best decisions I've probably ever made in my life, and... And we go, because we all were at the same, you know, none of us knew how to surf. We were all 15 and at high school. And we go, we had to buy second-hand boards. And at first, we used to go out just with, in Titahi Bay in the Wellington winter, with wearing board shorts and woolen jerseys <laughs> until we could afford proper wetsuits, you know. But it was so funny. And, and, and we all just said, well, we're going to learn to surf, you know, and we just, you didn't have surf schools or anything like that. You just went out and made a fool of yourself so you could do it, you know, and <laughs> you get hassled by, we used to get hassled by some of the older crew, you know, called kooks and, and yeah. grommets and everything, but you just persevere. And after a while, I say, oh, he's coming on, all right? He's that way pretty good. They start to give you some grudging respect, you know. Yeah. There was a guy called Ross Heroiny. I always remember that. And, you know, Gary McCormick? Yeah. Gary McCormick was like about, I think he's about three or four years old. He was about like 18, 19. He was what they call a boo boy. We used to call, <laughs> t- you know, just like Malibu, we used to call Titahi Bay, we used to call it the boo, you know, just being silly. <laughs> and uh, Gary lives sort of around Peru or somewhere like that, and we'd see him out surfing. He was a very good surfer in his day. You know, we all thought, shit, we want to surf like Gary because he was... <laughs> Fucking excellent. You know. <laughs> Don't know what he's like now. He's probably, you know, like me, a bit podgy and, and kind of riding his Malibu, but, but I mean, you know, he still, he still surfs, I believe. Wow. And he's like, I don't know. What am I? Sixty six. He's probably sixty eight, sixty nine. Wow! Yeah, I, I guess. knew Gary McCormick because he, before he was a famous TV announcer, <laughs> and he was just a poet going around with Sam Hunt in the pubs. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, Sam Hunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He and cool. Gary used to knock around, and yeah, that was great. They'd go around the place with Hammond Gamble, and he and he, Gary and him, Sam would come on do poetry, or Gary, you know, in whatever order. Then Hammond had come on and play the blues. They had the, the three of them used to knock about all over the country, and we used to love it, you know. Came all these places like we go and see them, places like Morrinsville, and they'd play anywhere, you know, all over. Wow, because yeah. so you had a little bit of a musical career there as yes, well, didn't yes, you, Andrew? Yes, yes. <laughs> didn't you have a I hit? Was, <laughs> oh, no, we didn't have a hit, but, but no, I don't know we had a hit, but we got played on radio pictures. No, we didn't have a hit. But it was quite funny because one day I was ringing up because they used to, when Jim Mora used to, um, I think he, can't remember what, I think he did the morning program, you know, Jim Mora the, yeah. on radio in New Zealand. And they used to get people to ring up and nominate a song they'd like to hear and tell them about the song, you know. So this one time I, you know, 
sent my email in with the song and then I got contacted by the producer, you know, it's always the producer like young Charlie there. Um, and the producer said, oh, you know, you're going to be on Jim Moore. And I said, don't don't have your radio on because, you know, echoing, <laughs> echo, you don't want it echoing in the background. So you can't hear much of what you're saying. But Jim was talking to me over the telephone. And he's a hell of a nice guy too, no ears and graces. And he said, and I, oh, you know, I just, and he's, because we somehow got onto the fact that I'd been in a band, but, you know, we weren't famous or anything. <laughs> and he goes, oh, what was the band? You know, what, what, well, I put out a couple of EPs. I said, you know, what, what was the band called in the 80s? I said, we're in Auckland in the 80s. Sing Sing. He goes, yeah, oh, people were ringing Sing Sing. And people would start emailing in and going, oh, I've got your EP. Oh, wow. And I thought, these are people cool. I've never met in my life, you know, yeah. and they saw us on radio with pictures and liked the song and just went out and bought the EP. And I thought... Wow, because we had to sell them to most of really to our mates. That's know? right, yeah. Because <laughs> so, that, that was the deal. They said, you know, we put so many, they pressed 500 or something. They said, you got to get, the five of us had to get rid of 50 each, and then they were selling the rest through the stores. You know? Yeah, how cool. Mm. Well, that would lead us on quite nicely now to for you to pick a song for us today, oh, Andrew. Oh, yes, yes, C- yeah. Could you tell us what song that you would Certainly. Like? It's a song from, I think the album came out in 1975, um, a David Bowie album called Young Americans and, and it was very soulful. All the stuff was soulful and funky and it's a song called Can You Hear Me? And it's, um, I think it's a, just a very beautiful song. Okay, well, we'll play that now. Once we were lovers 
Okay, so um, could I ask you why that song? Because I asked you to pick a song about yes, hope. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and I immediately thought of that one. And it's a sort of a bit of a poignant story, but I don't mind sharing it with your listeners. When I was 19, I went out with this young woman, and I actually thought that she was 18, you know, because when you're 19, it makes a bit of a difference, I suppose. But then she revealed to me that she was actually like 16, 17, you know, and while we were, she turned 17 while we were going out. And we went out for a year, and I guess you could say it was like probably my first big love, you know. I, I, I really fell head over heels in love with this young woman. And then she was on the pill, but it wasn't agreeing with her. And she said, can we try a different form of contraceptives? And that's all right. And without, you know, going into the nitty gritty, we had an accident and she became pregnant. And I thought, well, what do I do? I wanted to do the right thing. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Well, of course, she was terrified of her parents finding out and all that sort of thing. And you couldn't get abortions here, so you had to go to Australia. So she said, so I had to borrow all this money from my mates because I couldn't go to my parents and say, can I borrow $500 to send my girlfriend to Australia for abortion? But anyway, what sort of happened was, I guess she didn't want to think about it because the baby was growing, you know, inside her. And she just went suddenly cold. And I could kind of understand it, you know, we'd been so close, but... I reminded her, and when I wasn't around, she could think. And anyway, she went away on this summer holiday. This all sort of happened in about November, going into the Christmas time. And she went away, and I did, as I often did, we used to go on these big surf trips, and we'd leave Wellington. There'd be three or four carloads of us, you know. And I went with, um, I went with two friends at the time. And we were trucking around, we went up to Mahia and we'd go all over the place surfing, Gisborne and Mahia, where it looked like waves. 
And I was playing this record because we, you know, playing cassettes in the car and stuff. And I had this Young Americans cassette and we were playing it occasionally. You know, we had a limited number of cassettes. We'd play them over. And every time I heard this song, it just seemed to encapsulate, you know, can you hear me? That's what it's saying. Can, mm-hmm. can you hear me? You know, and so anyway, cut a long story short, she went to Australia. Her parents didn't find out. She had a a teacher who was very, you know, sometimes teachers maybe go behind parents' back, but this teacher did the right thing, I feel. She was really good. But then, of course, when this young woman came back, it was all over, you know, mm. it was all over because she couldn't, couldn't face it any no. longer. And, and it, it broke my heart. It, it, it really broke my heart because, you know, it was my first sort of experience of loving someone perhaps deeply yeah. other than your parents, parents or whatever, you know, when yeah. you're young like that. And young love, you know, is, is can be very in, intense. And so, yeah. But that song sort of kept me going when we were driving around and I'd hear this song, Can You Hear Me? We'd play the whole album, you know, and that song would come on and I'd just think about her and because she was letting it go on and on and on, you know, and I thought, yeah. if she doesn't do something soon, it'll become too late. And she yeah. just sort of squeaked in and got to Australia in time before, you know, there's yeah. a certain period after which they won't do it. Yeah. And she kind of sneaked under the wire. And I mean, I was terrified for her, you know, I just want to do the right thing, but I knew she'd be terrified of her parents. And and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been good, you know, we probably yeah. wouldn't have lasted, you know, someone 19, someone 17 having a baby, those yeah. things often yeah. go to pieces, so it yeah. was probably best for both of us, but it was, it's I ended up writing decision. a story about it because yet many, many years later processing it in a story and I fictionalised it, you know, made it a short story and just fictionalised it, but it was based on real things and... Um, yeah, it was just a poignant episode in my life. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And it's good because I, I quite often mention on the podcast about um, using creativity to help you move through emotions. And um, I certainly have used poetry and writing songs mm, to mm. help me move through things and, mm. and stories. Yeah, well, a so, lot of people do. You know, a lot of people write. We have people come along to Catalyst, which is every, you know, first Wednesday every month, and people get up there really brave, you know, and, and I, I just think they're so brave and it's so inclusive and welcoming. They're so yeah. welcoming to everyone, you know. Wait, when's just, that on, Andrew? When's it's the Catalyst first Wednesday on? of the month at Space Academy, and if you come along, it doesn't matter what sort of poetry you like, someone there will like that poetry, you know. So yeah. people stand up and they do the bravest poems about their life experiences and things like that, and you just think, that would have been really cathartic for you, but you also think to yourself, that is um, so so brave yeah. to stand up in front of strangers and tell them a poem that's really, you know, because you might read a poem and it's not terribly personal, you know, poems about all sorts of things. Like a young woman got up on the last time, which was just first Wednesday in June, and she read limericks, and I hadn't heard her before, but she had been there before, and and she did these amazing limericks, but they weren't limericks like, you know, in the old sort of stupid stuff. Yeah. There was an old lady from Nantucket. Yeah. Sort of Her limericks were the proper limerick form, but they were about 
things that had sort of happened to her and processing painful episodes of her wow. life. So I'd never heard limericks because they're usually limericks associated with being funny and being silly, yeah. you know. Yeah. And these were serious limericks. And I was stunned. I was so stunned. Sometimes people stun me. I get a piece of paper, I write them a note and give it to them, you know, because there's people reading, so I don't want to yeah. talk over them. But I'll give them to people so they can read it at their leisure. And I pass this thing and I just said, that's fantastic. Yeah. I said, that's amazing. I've never heard limericks like that. I've only ever heard those, you know, there was an old lady really? from Nantucket, those, those silly yeah. old ones that are usually rude. You know? yeah, yeah. And hers weren't rude at all, but they were just so poignant. And personal uh, to Personal her. and yeah. poignant. And people are so brave. You know, one woman stood up and read a poem which was obviously about her own experience of some, probably some years back, of being raped. Oh, yes. Now, something yeah. like that is so, so brave. Yeah. But I was talking to her later and she said, you know, that's how she has processed it, it down yeah. through the years. And I mean, you it, know, it might have taken her decades to process And that. also that helps other people maybe want to do that exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote one similar about some um, childhood abuse that I had. Oh, right. But I read two poems, one after the other, mm. and one was about that. Mm. And the second one I wrote was a love poem. Oh, right, and right. I read that one afterwards. Oh, I see. Because the you writing... To, you wanted to soften the face. Well, not, <laughs> not only that, but I wanted to write a love poem and I yeah. struggled to do it. Yeah, yeah. And once it's I wrote hard, the poem it? about the the abuse and it, worked it through opened, that, it opened. it opened me up to yeah. write the love poems. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's very the interesting. The thing with love poems, I always thought, I love a good love poem. In fact, I've got books at home, you know, best British love poems and things like that. And I love a good love poem, but they're so hard to do yeah. well, you know, yeah, because because <laughs> it's so easy to get spill over, even for the best of poets, to spill in, over into cheesiness, yeah, you know. That's it, yeah. And so I, if you can do that well, oh, I just think that's stunning. It is, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we are better um, get on to a bit of a meditation. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, so um, today's meditation, if you are not driving or operating machinery, could you close your eyes and either sit down or lie down somewhere? If you are operating machinery or driving, perhaps you might want to have a listen to the meditation a bit later, but there is a little bit of music that you may want to li- you might want to listen to. So if you just sit down... Make yourself very comfortable. Feel where, you see, where you're sitting on your seat. Feel your feet on the floor. Sort of stomp your feet a little bit so you know where you are. Just sort of wiggling, wiggling on your chair a little bit so you can feel your backbones there. And now just take a big breath in through your nose. And let it out through your mouth very gently. And as you let it out, Kind of feel like you're just really letting go of everything and relaxing everything. So breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, drop your shoulders, even say in your head, I'm letting go, I'm letting go. Breathe in through the nose and do the same again. Maybe let a sigh. No, just breathe normally. And on the in-breath, if there's any tension anywhere or any tight muscles, breathe into the tightness and then let go and relax. So relax your feet, your calves, your shins, your knees, your thighs, your sit bones, your spine.
spine, drop your shoulders, open your ears. Put a slight little smile on your mouth. Relax your forehead and round the corner of your eyes. Lovely. Now you're all nice and relaxed. I'd just like you to do. You see, imagine that you, your life is on a stage. You may be acting on that play. You might be dancing on the stage. It could be a play or a dance or a story or a poem. Or maybe you're playing in a band and you're just on that stage. And there's people out there watching you on this stage. And on this stage, this is your life, this stage. And there's various scenery being moved around. There's maybe some loud music and some quiet music. There's maybe some fast dancing, or some slow dancing. It's constantly changing, but yet the stage stays exactly the same. The stage itself doesn't move. Just all the scenery on the stage. So there's a part of you that's on this stage and all this moving scenery and all these different things happening, all this different music playing, all these different poems coming out. And then there's the actual stage and the actual stage never moves. And that's that bit in you, your observer. That's the bit that always stays the same. Maybe it could be the director or the playwright. So as you listen to the rest of the music, maybe you could think what your next act or your next scene or your next poem or your next song might be. that you enjoyed that and maybe if you weren't able to do that right now maybe that's something that you could try again to try and do try and think about what your next act or poem or song might be what I'd really like you to do right now is if you have closed your eyes just very gently and slowly open them feel your feet on the floor feel where you're sitting have a look around the room where you are taking everything And thank you for listening. And go well, and I'll see you again next time. Bye for now. For all your first aid and CPR and wellbeing at work programmes and training, please contact fatco.nz. That's F-A-C-T-C-O dot N-Z. You can contact them at training at factco.nz or 03-365-3556. The fact is, you can save a life. Home, 
Let me come home. Home is wherever.